Well, good morning. Let me add my welcome. I'm glad you're here on this Lord's Day and you have your Bibles open to where Archie read just a moment ago, Revelation 7. You can leave them there, but if you've closed them, find that again, Revelation chapter 7. And I really could have called today's message, He Will Hold Me Fast, but I've entitled it, Jesus the Merciful Lamb. We're walking through the book of Revelation and, and glad you have joined us. If you're a guest here today, you have come to the right place at the right time. And let me welcome people online that are watching us. And in particular, I'd like to uh, say hello to a good friend of ours who watches us on the Lord's Day. His name is Bailey Stotler. Well, we used to call him Bailey Stotler, but as of last week, we now have to call him Dr. Bailey Stotler. And so grateful for um, a family like the Stotlers who've raised their kids up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And Bailey's been a longtime friend of my oldest son, Tanner. They, I think they met in about the second grade, and they have best friends and uh, have served Jesus. And so Bailey... Congratulations, we look forward to seeing you soon. Revelation chapter 7 has to deal with what's going on in heaven during the great tribulation period. The great tribulation period will last seven years. The seven-year period will be a time of first safety in which a leader of the world comes in to establish an economy that the entire world gets involved in. And this leader then establishes a religion that will be led by a false prophet. It's during this seven years that this leader will show himself to be who he really is. Because we're told that this one will be filled with Satan. In three and a half years or halfway through this tribulation period, this Antichrist, this world leader who had led the world into peace will show that he is not peaceful, not at all. He will lead a coalition against Israel and God's people, and there will be on earth tribulation, the Bible says, as has never been seen. For seven years, a great tribulation. There's two reasons primarily for the great tribulation, two reasons primarily. One is to prepare Israel for their Messiah. If you are familiar with the Bible and history, and those two things combine, You'll note that Jesus came in time to his people that he had chosen, and they rejected him. But we're told throughout the scriptures that those who rejected him, that are his people, will one day recognize that they have rejected him and receive their Messiah. In the Old Testament, we're told by Jeremiah, alas, that great day, there's none like it. It will be a time of trouble, a distress for Jacob. Yet, Jacob, being Israel, will be saved out of it. So there's coming, Jeremiah said, way back, that there will be a time when Israel will be suffering in order that they might see their suffering and come out of it. You know Moses, you know Moses, who wrote the first five books of the Bible. Even Moses prophesied about the great tribulation. Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 4, When you are in tribulation and all the things come upon you, in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. In the latter days, you will return to the Lord. Even Moses knew there would be a time when Israel, who would reject the Messiah, would return. He said, for the Lord God is merciful. He's a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. How many of you know that God is a covenant-keeping God? Which means this, he keeps his word. Not one promise that God ever has made will fail. 
And he has made precious promises to Israel. And in his mercy, in his mercy, Moses said, in his mercy, Moses said, God will restore his people in the latter days. It wasn't just Jeremiah. It wasn't just Moses. It was Ezekiel and Daniel and Zechariah and others in the Old Testament that prophesied about this great tribulation. So when you read about the great tribulation or you hear about it, and we'll be discussing this over the next weeks, don't think that this is something that came lately. God has had a plan. And everything we read about in Revelation is a definite description and definition of Old Testament prophecy. So first, the tribulation is going to come on the world in order that Israel might recognize their Messiah. Secondly, a second reason for the tribulation. You keeping up? A second reason. Everyone say second. Good. Second is that there's going to be a judgment on the earth on all who have rejected Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us in chapter 6 and verse 17, that great day of wrath has come. What great day of wrath? The wrath of God on people on, on, on the earth, all over the earth, because they've rejected Christ. And here's the question, who can stand? Who can stand? The sixth seal that's opened in Revelation 6 is a seal of judgment on all the earth, so that even the rich, powerful, and rulers of the earth crawl into caves and beg that mountains fall on them so that they could be hidden from the wrath of God. We read in the book of Revelation, there will be people who will be seeking death. They want to die, but they cannot. This is the great tribulation. Now, I want to say this here because some would say, Pastor, I believe we're already in the Great Tribulation. And I would say, I don't believe we are. The Great Tribulation, a seven-year period, has two purposes. For Israel to turn and find and follow the Messiah. That hasn't happened yet. And judgment hasn't been poured out all over the earth. Are we in tribulation? Yes and amen. Great Tribulation? No. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to a church who thought they were in the Great Tribulation and may have actually missed the rapture. What is the rapture? Well, the rapture is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes to the upper atmosphere and calls the church to be with Him in heaven during the seven-year tribulation period. Well, there was a church that was told by deceivers that they had missed the rapture and they were in the Great Tribulation. Here's what Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians. Now, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, that is not the rapture, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is seven years after the rapture, but concerning this coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him, we speak to you as brothers not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or spoken word, or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come, listen to this, that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness, that is the Antichrist, is revealed. He is called the son of destruction. Remember, Judas had that same title. Who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what, restraining, what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. 
For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do it until he is out of the way. And then the lawlessness uh, one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by appearance at his coming. So we read how that Paul sets the church straight to say that great tribulation is not going to occur until there's a rebellion and you're going to be caught up out of here. And during that rebellion, the Antichrist who's going to lead, he's going to lead when the restraining, very important word, restraining is removed. What restraining? The restraining of evil by the Lord. You might want to write that down that you'll see this in chapter 7. The Lord does restrain evil, but there's coming a day when he no longer does when he no longer does. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the fact that right now the Lord holds back evil. And when we look around and we see the evil that's happening, we wonder what in the world is going on, and we know that there's a spiritual force that's at work and is constantly attacking. But the Bible has already told us in the book of Revelation that when the restraining is left, lifted, Men will grow so evil against each other, they'll fight one another and kill each other. There'll be wars and all types of skirmishes and rebellions, and even wild animals will attack. I'm grateful that I could walk outside to my truck this morning in the dark, and the fox that was in my yard did not attack. Thank you, God, for your restraining power. Not in that day. Just imagine for a moment, let it sink in. That the restraining power of the Holy Spirit will be removed from the earth and men will do what they really want. Well, in chapter 7, where Archie read, we have here then the identification of people that are alive during this time of tribulation, the great tribulation. In fact, in chapter 7, you have something simultaneous going to uh, happen in heaven to that which is happening on earth. On earth, great tribulation. On earth, great tribulation. In heaven, great worship. And in worship, we hear the Lord demonstrate and display His mercy once again. If you read about the Great Tribulation, you would think, what kind of God would bring judgment on the world like this? And you read chapter 7, and you say, a merciful God who pleads for those who are far from Him to repent. In chapter 7, you have an identification of people who are on the earth during the Great Tribulation that belong to the Lord. I want you to notice this group. Um, They don't have a throne. They don't have a throne. They're standing before the Lord in verse 9. They do not have a crown, but they have palm branches in their hand. Do you remember another time when people had palm branches in their hand and they were rejoicing and praising? Now you have a group of people who actually understand whom it is that they are worshiping and praising with palm branches. These who are not on a throne, who do not have a crown, are not members of the church. Very important point here because your pastor is under the conviction that there is a church age and that that church age will end at the rapture and that the church will be with Jesus Christ during the great tribulation period. That these then are not of the church. Well, let's look at three Identifications. I want to give you these. Um, actually, there's six, but I put them in three points to make you feel better. <laughs> Number one, some of these are selected and sealed by the Lamb. Many are saved and standing before the Lamb. All the saved are sheltered and shepherded by the Lamb. So if you didn't get that, we're going to go through it 
one at a time. Number one, I want you to see the people that are in heaven during the great tribulation that John's writing about and he sees are people that have been selected. They've been selected by the Lamb. They've been sealed by the Lamb. Verse one, after this, I saw four angels. After this, again, this is the language that John uses often. I'm seeing another vision, another revelation from the Lord during this great revelation. And uh, by the way, if you are the person that says, I'm studying the book of Revelations, know this, I'm okay with that. Because preachers all the time say, don't say that, that's wrong. Well, there's one revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, but within it, there are a lot of revelations. And John saw this vision, and he said, I saw the four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth or sea or against any tree. Now, here we see the restraining work of the Holy Spirit, even during the tribulation. So I wanted you to take note of that word restraining. There are four angels and that word four, or that number four, is very symbolic, very important for us to understand. Four is the number of earth. It represents the earth. That's why we already have looked at four angels that had power over all of the earth. And so you have some symbols and some symbolic language, certainly in Revelation, that stand for realities. And the number four is symbolic for the earth. And then you have the four, um, the four angels here. You have the four corners of the earth. And someone might say, wait, this is an antiquated book. It, 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 there's not four corners of the earth, but there are four corners of the earth. And we often even today speak of the four corners of the earth, of the four poles of the earth, of the north and the south, and you have the equatorial poles. And there are flat spots on each of those poles, and we use a compass to, to tell us where those poles are. And so the Bible is very up-to-date. Beyond, beyond where we are, we're, we're behind, and four winds. And we understand this is all about the, the earth and what's going on on the earth and the powers that are there. And here we have the Lord restraining these things. By the way, did you notice there are three fours? Three fours? I won't get deep into uh, numerology today uh, or symb- symbolic language, but uh, three, a very important number, um, three having to do with the, the number of our Lord. And then there are three fours. If you multiply that, there's 12. 12 is the number of completion. And I bring that up because there are actually 12,000 chosen from each tribe. A thousand being the ultimate conclusion of things. A thousand being the ultimate conclusion of things. And we're going to have a millennial reign, a 1,000 year reign of Christ that will ultimately conclude things. So all of these add up. All of these add up. Numbers in Revelation add up to say God is on his throne and Jesus is coming back. Be ready, be ready. So let's just jump into this further. Look in verse 2. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun. That's from the east. And the seal of the living God in his hand. This has to do with power and authority given to him. And he called with a loud voice the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Now, interesting, isn't it? You oftentimes hear about how the Antichrist is going to seal his with the number 666. But here we have certain people that are sealed in their forehead by God. And before these angels have the power to destroy the earth, the earth, the sea, the trees, think about that just for a moment. That's all the natural resources. That's everything that we have dominion over. Every way in which man can sustain life are going to ultimately be struck. Before that happens, God shows his mercy. God shows his mercy. And so when we read through the book of Revelation, and we're going to get further into this, and we're going to see the judgment of God poured out like we can't even imagine. We also see also what's unimaginable is God's mercy. Hold on. Wait. This is God. I mean, even in the book of Revelation chapter 22, 
There is the bride calling out, the church calling out, Lord Jesus Christ, come back. Do you ever say that? Lord, this would be a good day for you to come back. And then the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's praying the same prayer. Like we're praying in unison, Lord Jesus, just come back. And the Lord says, but but not yet. Because all who are thirsty can come. Aren't you glad that God is patient with us? Long-suffering? You think about your own life and how patient God's been with you. How long-suffering God's been. He is so gracious, so merciful. And here it is showing His mercy again. I want us to identify these who He's showing mercy for. There are 144,000 in particular here. Notice that they are selected. They are selected. And during this period of the Great Tribulation, the 144,000 are selected. Selected from where? Well, Archie read for us this morning from every tribe of Israel. Now, you might know this about Israel, but Israel has kept meticulous records concerning their genealogy. It's interesting when we travel to Israel to hear how that some of the Jewish people there actually know, at least they claim to know, what tribe they're from. And they are very quick to tell you about their genealogy. But most of the records that the Jewish people have kept over the years have been destroyed, especially by the Romans. And so the most Jewish people have no idea what tribe they're from, but God knows. There are no lost tribes of Israel. None of them migrated to the United States of America. The 12 tribes of Israel do not belong to a sect called the Jehovah Witness or any other sect. These 144,000 are from Israel. 12 being the number of Israel always, and these 12,000 from every tribe are witnesses from Israel. When you come to this text too, quite often people will say, well, this number 12,000 is symbolic for a multitude that cannot be numbered. I find that ironic because we read actually before the throne, there was a number before the throne that could not be numbered by John, but God did number these 12,000. It's my view that there are actually 12,000 that are selected from Israel and they are sealed by God. What are they selected for? They are selected in order that they might show the goodness and mercy of God by their living, by their living, and that they would speak to those who are without Christ the gospel. And so these are selected from Israel and then they're sealed. They're sealed. What does it mean that they are sealed? Well, it means several things. One, anything sealed in John's day would have been purchased. It belonged to someone. And the seal would show who was the possessor. These 144,000 then are purchased by the possessor who is in fact God. So the 144,000 belong to God. They have marks on them. Marks oftentimes signified what belonged to God. You think about in the Old Testament, blood on the lintel of the doorpost in Egypt when the Passover angel came over, indicated that the people inside that home belonged to God, believed in God, and trusted in the blood. There is the scarlet robe of Rahab who put out, her, out of her window the sign that she trusted God with that symbol. Ezekiel chapter 3, the Bible says, Now the glory of God of Israel has gone up from the cherub who rested in the threshold of the house. And in the Old Testament, the Bible says, And there was called there a man clothed in linen, riding 
And the Lord said, pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over the abominations committed in it. And the reason for that sign is so when the Lord came and destroyed the people who were rebelling, He would not destroy those who were sealed by Him. In the same way, in the Great Tribulation, there are going to be 144,000 people with God's name in their forehead. Maybe that's in their heart. Whether it's visible to other people or not won't matter. They are signed, they are sealed, and they belong by God because He has purchased them for His own purposes. It's been said the beast has a number, but the children of God have a name. They have a name. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood a lamb with him, 144,000, who had his name and his father's name on their forehead. They belong to God and to the lamb. They are predestined. These are people that God has pre-chosen. He knows their name already, and he knows where he's going to put his name. They are his chosen people who are protected by this seal. Why protected? Because this is going to be a time of unprecedented persecution for those who belong to God. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, listen to this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle Paul said, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. He who restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. There, there's going to be a time when if you name the name of Jesus, your life will be taken from you. And it's during the Great Tribulation. In just a few weeks, we're going to have a group of people here sharing with us about what's happening around our world. They're called the Voice of the Martyrs. They're going to help us to understand about our brothers and sisters around the world that are being persecuted for Christ. Some of them we know by name. Some of them we partner with on a regular basis. There's persecution going on now. There's been persecution throughout all of Christianity and all of Christendom. But this is a time in which... There will be persecution like never before. Either you follow the Antichrist or you will be killed. Verse 9 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 says, The coming of the lawlessness one is by the activity of Satan with all power, false signs, and wonders. With all the power that he has, he's going to persecute the church. But then here's another way they're protected. These 144,000 lives are going to be protected because they have the seal of God on them and Satan can't touch them. Let that sink in for a moment. Because you and I are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We are sealed. We are sealed. And the sealing means they are protected. They're not just living out there aimlessly, but God is protecting them. And they are not only protected, their lives are not only protected, but they are protected from the lies of the enemy. Because Paul said... He will come with signs and wonders. This Antichrist is going to come with such signs and wonders. People are going to say, he must be true. It must be real. Look what he does. Look what he's done. Look what he's given us. Look what he's able to accomplish. Look at the healing that comes because of the medication that his government brings to us. It's going to go on and on. And people are going to say, but I saw with my own eyes. So that Paul says, and with wicked deception... For those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and be saved, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they might believe what is false in order that they might be condemned who do not believe the truth, who had no pleasure in Him but in unrighteousness. In other words, look, because people chose to not believe in Jesus Christ, they chose not to believe in Jesus Christ because they loved their unrighteousness, they're going to believe what is not true. 
They're going to believe a lie. These 144,000 are protected not only in their life, but they're protected from this lie. They'll say the truth. What are they selected and sealed to do? They are selected and sealed in order to bring about the purposes of the Lamb. Look in verse 3. Here we have entire, entire uh, people groups coming to death. There is wrath on the earth, but these have been sealed in their forehead, purposed in order that they might bring the gospel so that many might be saved. There are going to be many saved, many saved during the Great Tribulation. Look in verse 9 of chapter 7. John says, after this, so after this vision, he's not talking chronologically necessarily. He's just saying that while I'm giving, given, given this uh, particular vision, I'm also seeing another one. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from every tribe, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And we will see, we will see that this promise that God has given to people to be saved will happen even during the tribulation where there will be a great harvest, which leads to the second point. There are those who are saved and they are saved standing before the Lamb. The reason I put that there is because the end of chapter 6, John asked the question, who can stand? His wrath is so great, who can stand? And then you come to chapter 7 and you find people standing before the throne. And the reason they stand before the throne is because the wrath of God has been satisfied in the Lamb whom they have believed and have trusted, and they have been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And because the wrath of God has hit Jesus instead of them, they are saved. Verses 9 and 10, I see them standing before the throne They are clothed in white robes, and they are worshiping the Lord. Did you know that during the Great Tribulation period, many people will be saved? Why will they be saved? Why will so many people be saved during the Great Tribulation period? Well, to begin with, the church is going to disappear. Can you imagine? I've seen a bumper sticker on a car that said, during the rapture, this car will be unmanned. What one of you that's been saved for any amount of time showed up somewhere where you were supposed to meet a bunch of other believers, but you were the only one there, and then you thought, I didn't miss it, did I? We're going to be out of here. There are going to be cars that will be unmanned. Do you believe that, Pastor? Absolutely, I do. There'll be planes unpiloted, ships without a captain, trains without a driver, there's going to be a great disappearance. That's hard to believe. Well, there's a lot of things that are hard to believe, but that doesn't mean I don't believe them. I told a guy yesterday, he said, explain to me how God could speak to the sun and they be the same one. I said, I can't explain that to you, but I can't explain electricity either, but I'm not going to sit in the dark because I can't. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Paul said, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. That means those who have died. That you may grieve, not as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus rose and died, uh, died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, hit our left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be called up together in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. These are great encouraging words, Paul says. Because there's coming a time when Jesus is going to call us out of here and we're going to be gone. And that could be today. That could be today. And then we know the Lord's coming back to the earth. He's not coming back for us because he's already received us. He's coming back and we're coming with him. All the saints who've been called up together with the Lord. So why will somebody be saved during the tribulation? Because there's going to be a great disappearance and there will be those who recognize the church is gone. The world will be in chaos too. Jesus said, for when there will be great tribulation such as the world has never seen until now and never will be. Jesus said that. Jesus said that. There's going to be so much chaos in the world that people are going to be looking for answers and they're going to hear the message of the gospel by the 144,000 evangelists. I always like to call them the 144,000 Billy Grahams. W.A. Christopher calls them the 144,000 Apostle Pauls. They'll be preaching. The gospel will be proclaimed. Jesus said in Matthew 24, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many of you will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Because of the lawless one, that, that's again the Antichrist. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Believers will be executed during this time. Th- those who are the 144,000, they're sealed. Their lives are protected. They're protected from the lies, but not every believer will be protected. In fact, most will be executed. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, the Bible says, Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those to whom authority to judge was committed. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image or received the mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. These are the martyrs of the tribulation. As the Lord promised, many will be saved. When I say the Lord promised, many will be saved. If you noticed again the text that the Bible says that there are those surrounding the throne of every tribe and tongue, multitudes that can't be named, just recall this, just recall this, that way back in the book of Genesis, this is why I love Bible study, Craig, because Craig just walked with us through the covenant made to Abraham this morning in Bible study and tied it into Acts chapter 2 to remind us, Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3, how that God had made a promise, how God had made a promise to Abraham that through Abraham, the entire world would be blessed. And that would be through his seed, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. So around the throne, here you have the ones who have been martyred saying, glory to you, glory to God. They've been martyred, but they are giving glory to God. And they say, you're worthy, worthy of what our lives and thanksgiving be given to you. And then they say, you have wisdom. And the wisdom of God, Paul says, is Jesus Christ. They are glorifying God by magnifying Jesus. And they are the ones who are 
martyred for Christ, and they are giving testimony to Jesus. Why? Because you have wisdom. I can't help but think that they're thinking about all this promises made. Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. You're not even going to be able to number. Not even going to be able to number. Do you know how many grains of sand are at the seashore? I know we went to the beach yesterday, and there's a bunch of them in my truck right now that I can't even count. That's going to be, that's going to be your nation. That's followed up over and over and over through the Old Testament. And then you come all the way to Revelation chapter 7. John said, I saw it. I saw it. The promise made way back then is true now. Many will be saved. Somebody says, well, that's great. If we, there is a rapture. I'm just going to get saved during the tribulation. No, you won't. You'll believe the lie. Oh, I'm offended by that. You, you believe a lie now that's not near as strong. You believe there's plenty of time. You believe there's something worth living for other than Jesus, really. You're believing a lie now that's going to send you to hell. And that lie, whatever it is, I've got plenty of time. I'll get saved one day. I'll get right with God. I'm going to finish up what I want to do until that time. And the devil has sold you a lie and you bought it hook, line, and sinker. And I'm telling you the truth. You'll believe the lie then too. This leads me to the last point. Look in uh, verses 13 through 17. Then the one of the elders addressed me and said, Who are these who are clothed in white robes and where have they come? I said, Sir, you know. This is John talking back to one of the representatives of the church of Jesus Christ who was there. The elders represent the church, the Lord Jesus Christ, bride. Who are these, John? Who are these? John says, not really a question more rhetorically, you know. These are the ones who come out of great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They're the tribulation martyrs. They've been saved like everyone else. Whoever has been saved is saved, and that's by the blood of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 16, there was a man who came into a jail cell to ask Paul, how do I get saved? Paul said this, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved in your whole household. That Philippian jailer that day got saved, his household did. You know how? Because he believed on Jesus Christ and was washed in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus was talking to his two sisters. They were worried about what was going to happen to them, but they were more concerned that Jesus wasn't there when their brother died. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Then he asked them this question, do you believe this? The ones who are standing before the throne, John says that the elder proclaims, they're the ones who believe. Because they believe they have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Blood doesn't make things white, does it? Well, if it does, if it's the blood of the Lamb who takes away our sin and the stain and guilt of it. Verse 15 says they're serving before the Lord. We also see in verse 15, they're sheltered or tabernacled by the Lord, protected. They've come out of this tribulation, verse 16, where they were hungry and thirsty and the sun beat down upon them. But verse 17 says they are shepherded by the Lord, which I think is the most beautiful promise of all. Because the word shepherded here is an interesting word in the Greek. It has to do with a strong shepherd, and it reminds me of David. David, who was a shepherd. Remember David, who stood before Saul and said, Saul, I'll go kill that Goliath. I'll go kill that giant. Who are you? A shepherd? Yeah. But a shepherd on one occasion, watching over my father's sheep, and a bear 
came to get them. And I chased the bear, and I took the sheep out of the bear's mouth, and I slew the bear. And then when a lion came, a lion, y'all, David said, I grabbed the lion by the mane, and I slew the lion. What is Goliath? That's the idea of this shepherd. That's the idea of this shepherd. This is the shepherd who not only is coming to care and protect and provide for his saints, but to judge with an iron rod, Psalm 2 says, all of his enemies. The iron rod of a shepherd who destroys and breaks all of his enemies. And what does he do? He cares for his sheep in heaven forever. He says this, I'm your shepherd, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And they're saying this, you're my shepherd. Is he yours? He guides, and then he wipes every tear from their eye. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. We've each gone our own way. Thank God that the Lamb of God is also the shepherd who comes to rescue the lost sheep. To guide us to eternity into heaven and forever will be our healer. Jesus' promises this world are to us who are his sheep. We're not going to go unscathed in this world. We're not maybe going through the great tribulation. In fact, we're not going through the great tribulation, but we will go through tribulation. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. We all have problems. Saved or unsaved, we all go through difficulties. We go through things that we cannot explain or understand completely. But these momentary troubles are part of God's ultimate plan. Paul said, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. There's coming a day, y'all, when He will wipe every tear from our eyes. Well, that's a lot of information. Take this home. Your God loves you, has sealed you, and your Savior is shepherding you. And though you go through difficulty, He guides you all along the way, and He will indeed wipe away every tear. That won't be true for those of you who aren't His sheep. Because all through eternity in hell, we read that there will be weeping. Imagine never having your tears wiped away. Two types of people here today. Those who have every tear wiped away and those who will spend eternity weeping. And the difference? Whether or not you've been washed, whether or not you believed on Jesus Christ, whether or not he truly is your shepherd and you're following him. Father, thank you for the opportunity we've had to study your word. I pray that our response to you will be, uh, Lord, appropriate and honoring to Christ. Our response to you should be yes in whatever way you're calling us. In Jesus' name, amen.